Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. All right, so the question from last week, or episode, or however this all works for everybody. Um, so I had no build-up for this at the end of the last episode. I just kind of threw it out there, and I'll give you a little build-up right now, is that... Um, According to the list I'm looking at, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams that lack captains going into training camp for the NHL. And so I posed the question, how important do you think the role of captain, guys who actually wear the C, is to the players on the NHL teams that they're on? Okay, this is a loaded question for me because <laughs> at, at this point in time in, in league and in, in just sport history, captaincy is wildly overblown. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing for me personally is I'm big on, you know, authentic history. So if I buy a jersey, I just want to make sure I have the correct letter on it should I like a certain player or individual. Um who's wearing it doesn't really matter but i will say this it holds a matter of importance only because i think just having a free for all in a dressing room and not having some sort of hierarchy it just leads to con- I, i'm going to dip uh, I, i'm going to show off my parenting skills uh confusion and delay if anyone knows that reference feel free to email me <laughs> um <laughs> but the idea is like teams with when is the last time a team with uh, no captain three a's has you know actually won anything in the league no, it's probably 100% coincidental, but the whole idea is when things are going bad, when things are confusing, when there's you've just hit a rough patch, I think having a certain hierarchy, knowing this guy is going to go talk to the coach on our behalf and get us a day off, or he's going to organize something for us so maybe we push back practice or we turn you know, a bag skate into a video session or there's just some sort of conduit and you know who to look at and someone just kind of takes care of things. Uh, Who cares who talks to the press the most? I think that's no one really cares about that in the room, but it's just knowing, all right, this guy is going to take care of this other stuff so I can focus on getting my work done, making sure I'm ready at places on time. And I think, over a long course of the season, kind of stay focused and not get too complacent. Having some organizational structure um, goes a long way. Uh, locker room speeches can um, shove it, though, because that's <laughs> all fans think captains do. I Sorry, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and now I'll get off my miniature soapbox. I think it's a loaded question. The reason I think it's a loaded question is it's I think it's situational. Mm-hmm. If you look at a very young team, you know, well, we'll take Carolina as a prime example. Um, not saying that Justin Williams was like the magic elixir, but 
it certainly doesn't hurt on a very young team to to have a guy wearing a captain C who everyone sort of looks to when the fit hits the shan, so to speak, or when there needs to be sort of one voice coming back into the room. Like if the coach doesn't is tired of screaming or yelling or whatever, it certainly helps having one voice that sort of takes that young group and brings along with them in a, in an older room. I think it's just, Hey, you're the sucker that gets to go talk to the, to the rough. But I, so I think it's kind of situationally, I don't think it's a universal, it's meaningless or it's everything type thing. And, and I agree with you that the locker room speeches are kind of, eh, cause it's not just one guy that should always be doing it. Um, and you look back in history, it's notorious that Joe Sackett was probably one of the quietest captains in his own room. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also because he had the, one of the loudest people in the room with him was Patrick <laughs> Waugh. Right? You couldn't... Uh, the guy had couldn't the ego... get the guy the, shut up. <laughs> right. The guy had the ego the, uh, the size of a small gas giant planet. And and I'm not knocking that or, or saying, oh my God, it's the worst thing in the world. But, you know, Joe didn't have to say anything. Because you got the guy who's the only guy on the ice who's playing 60 minutes every night, um, standing, you know, yelling at the team. That I think lends some credence as opposed to foisting it upon someone who maybe doesn't want to stand up and do that kind of thing. So I don't, you know, I think it very is, I think it is very situational. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. It's situational, and but but I have different reason for why. Um, it depends on how the C is bestowed. If it's the players who are voting for the captain, or if it's the coach who's a, um, assigning the the C to somebody, or even the GM assigning the C to somebody. Um, I think that it depends on how that letter gets on a certain person's jersey that kind of depends on you know stitched on or ironed on or (laughs) velcro on it so i mean having you know played sports and having had been a captain off and on in a number of sports um from a player perspective it doesn't really matter who's wearing the C because whoever's wearing, because you know who the leaders are, you know, who the guys are or women, whoever generic, I'll say generically guys. Um, you know who the guys are that, that you need to talk to. If you have a problem, the people who will help you, you know, get the message to your coach. If you're not feeling like that's something you can say to your coach, um, that sort of thing. It's regardless of who's wearing what letter, it doesn't matter because you already know who the leadership is in the in the locker room, in the dressing room. It's just you know who you can go to. Um, that being said, if the players get to vote for who the captain is, then yeah, that carries a lot of weight because that's who the players see as the leader. Um, but if it's the coach or the GM who's just saying, okay, this person is the captain, 
And that's just basically from a locker room perspective, in a lot of cases, I think, you know, speaking from my personal experience, that's just the person who goes talk to the on-ice officials if there's something going on on the ice. You know, <laughs> it's not, they may be a leader in the locker room, and then again, they may not be. So um, it's just a PR move in some cases, and in other cases, it, it actually has meaning, but Again, situational, it just depends. I look at a team, and I, I'll bring them up again, because whatever. Um, a team like the Sharks, does anyone on the face of this planet believe that Joe Thornton isn't one of the loudest guys in that room? One that everyone looks to, regardless of if they're wearing a letter or not? Oh, yeah. So does it matter if he's wearing the C? No. No. He's the prime example of if you've got a room, who wears the C is kind of arbitrary to a certain degree yeah it's let's look at it on the flip side and you take los angeles as an example where dustin brown lost it and it was given to kopitar and then miraculously how does you know a new coach well kind of helped but brown had a career or a career renaissance or a blip on his career radar if you will um because it has nothing to do with leadership. It's all about added responsibility. And, like, Thornton was the de facto captain in that room. He just wasn't wearing the C. Maybe that was symbolic. Maybe that was to lessen the load. Maybe it was a complete prima donna move by a GM. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because leaders are going to lead. But having someone to take on responsibility. If you look at the... At the Maple Leafs. Since they got rid of uh, Dion Phaneuf, they haven't had a captain. So since 15-16 season. And how far has that team progressed? Um, let's see. First round. First round. <laughs> Boston, Boston. About, uh, I think they go, what, about a couple, three hours southeast into Boston. And that's about as far as they go. <laughs> so, sounds about right for for you know maybe they go there four times in the spring nah, um, three three or four times yeah generally in april yeah so, sounds about right it has no bearing on who the captain is but what it does have a bearing they can't get over some hurdle they are landlocked at this point so if something is happening in the build-up let's say in february and then in early March, where something is preventing them from getting over the hump. Maybe it's because they don't have one de facto person who can go to Babcock and Dubas and say, or Babcock and Lou Lamarillo a couple years ago and say, all right, we need to do this, this, and this because we're starting to nosedive. Well, we got to I mean, kind of straighten the, because hockey men are rigid. Like in I hockey, will... yeah, there hockey likes to likes to blow up the captaincy as like this big, all encompassing, wondrous thing. And oh God, it's it's myth. It's the mythology behind the captains. You know? Yeah, and and so in a lot of in some with some teams, it matters more than others. So like you know, you can't really say that it's going to matter too much to, um, say San Jose. It doesn't almost doesn't matter who wears the C because we all like we we're just saying 
Joe Thornton is the de facto captain. But on the other hand, if you're talking the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, as they like to like, you know, the center of the world as they like to believe themselves to be. Toronto. Uh, Toronto. You mean Carolina uh, Maple North? Leafs. No, no, no. You don't want you don't want any part of Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they all feel like there's something seriously lacking. The media, I'm sure, is like a bunch of vultures circling a dead carcass, a dying animal. It's like you don't have a captain. Everything's going to be bad. And so you know that's going to play into like how the players see things. <laughs> how oh, can sure. it not, right? <laughs> So, again, situational. Um, yeah, I think the Leafs would probably do better if they have some one guy who is captain simply because then the media would have one guy to blame. Well, I'll, and it'll I'll, be an American who's going to be gone in five years. Let's be honest. So I was going to I was going to stay away from that joke. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I was. Problem there is they want to force the captaincy on someone on that team, and and the default is kind of like EA Sports. It's just the highest rated player on the team, not the guy who actually would demonstrate some leadership abilities and res- and want the added responsibility. And it mm-hmm. always just seems to fall on. You know, it's it's the teams where it's foist upon someone who might be like, uh, sure, that it's detrimental to the psyche of the room for some reason. Because I, I go back to when, and I'm going to use them as an example, because they're the only team I can think of recently that has played, um, you know, Wheel of Fortune with the captaincy, the Sharks. It was on Marlowe for a while. Well, they couldn't get over the hump. And Marlowe's, you know, some people say it affected Marlowe's game and he didn't want the responsibility because he's a very cloistered, quiet kind of guy. And there are times when people do look at the captain to do something. And that's not his style. Mm-hmm. So who's the next person you throw it on? Well, the the big personality in the room, Right. So it goes to Jumbo. Well, they can't get over the hump with Jumbo, and he's starting to age out. And his response, so it goes to Pavelski. But we all know, of course, who's still the biggest, boisterous personality in the room is Thornton. But he kind of looked like it, I don't want to say loosened him up to do different things, but you know, the, the weight of the letter on the jersey sometimes is not what that player needs. So if you throw it on, I'm looking down the roster of anyone on Toronto. I don't, I, I don't see that person, if that makes sense. Well, so here's the thing is that in, in hockey, you have two kinds of captains. You have the guy who is allowed as personality captain, and then you have the star player captain. And... Often, neither of those types are actually captain material. <laughs> right, right. So, so my first thought going with Toronto is actually, it's probably going to end up on Tavares. See, that was the first name that I thought it should go to. 
And I actually think it should have gone to him last year. Oh, but, you know, there's all, you know, the, the politics of it are just hysterical. Oh, yeah. You know, there were, there were rumblings and grumblings. How can you give it to a guy who just signed here as a free agent? You know, he doesn't know the room and blah, 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 blah. And now magically after one year, it should be on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to Boston if they regret giving it to Chara immediately. Exactly. That's it. You literally you pulled the words through my mm-hmm. microphone out of mm-hmm. out of my mouth. Yes. You know, exactly. Ottawa let him go. And I think part of his contract negotiation was talking about we want to give this to you. Or he he also wanting it. But he was also an established player, just like Tavares was, knowing exactly what he's getting into. Now, if Tavares were the C, is he scoring any less than he did last year? I don't think so. Well, wasn't he captain in with the Islanders? Yes, he was. So, I mean, you know, the, the, one, of, one of the greatest NHL traditions is giving the C to a guy who already had the C on a different team. <laughs> yeah. Thus, why Mark Messier has a leadership award that he gives out himself. Yes. Yeah, he I mean, and gives out himself. Otherwise, it's it's like you're talking uh, Nyland, Nylander and or Matthews, right? Oh, I it's mean, going to Matthews. It, it's Matthews or Tavares. Yeah, it's not going to go to Matthews because they're one. They'll want to give it to a good Ontario boy. Oh no, I think they are giving it to Matthews. I think it's been decided. You think so? Yeah. Um, for marketing reasons, because he was the team's own draft pick. And I will say, I I don't think Toronto's the right organization to play this card, but I do like the fact of a player that's kind of come up through the ranks, through the system, who's, you know, maybe done the development camps as a rookie over and over again. So, so they get a glimpse of everything the team does instead of just kind of sailing in and only seeing it from a UFA perspective. Um, they can better relate to all players. And so they can read, all right, what, what's going on with the rookies? Are they a little rattled by what's going on? Or, you know, and then when you're in a place long enough, you get to experience what veterans grow through. So you can see, okay, maybe these guys would want a day off here, fly out a day later, or what have you. Because like the marketing, the the star player, when you give it to guys like I'm, I'm even going to call out Crosby, he probably got the C too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Taves may have been the same way, but because they were on veteran-laden, talented teams, their teams were able to succeed. Crosby's Penguins then kind of took a bit of a dip after 2009, and it took him a while to, you know, help lead his group, for lack of a better term, to another cup victory. Taves, you know, I think was probably a better captain by the third cup than he was the second. And obviously by the first, because more of those veteran guys that were kind of displaced, he kind of got a feel for things. And I'm curious to see how long is it before he's able to help the Blackhawks, you know, solidify as regular playoff contenders. I don't know if he was better, because didn't he get yelled at when he threw a tantrum in the penalty box? 
I mean, was that really Captain? A- I'm kidding. I'm just I'm trying to pull my Steve Simmons, and you know, I loved it when he threw that tantrum too, because he was. Look, man, I saw Justin Williams do the exact same thing without the pouty mouth. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And he didn't need to be talked to this past postseason. It happens. You're allowed to be frustrated. He's not a robot. But it makes you wonder, okay, Gabe Landeskog in Colorado, he was a young guy. And now look at the last couple of years. Heck, dated all the way back to Steve Eiserman, a guy who got the C at 21 in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s. And it took a while for the team to get good again. I mean, he was there for the, the dog days in Detroit. He was given the C. He gives the fans that glimmer of hope, but it still took a while before anything really materialized. Mm. And it has nothing to do with his leadership abilities. Maybe it has some of his ability to read situations, you know, interpersonal dynamics. A thought I'd never thought I'd say on a hockey show. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Pat's Psychology Corner. When's your, today's uh, sports psychology uh, topic. When's when's your motivational speaking tour start? <laughs> um, it, it can start as book? early as uh, next weekend if you if you'd like. I'm uh, <laughs> I have been looking at uh, my next coaching seminar that I need to take, and well, maybe I'll squeeze maybe I'll squeeze in a few workshops in between my sessions. Knock on <laughs> knock on wood if you're with me. Knock on wood if you're with God. Jesus. I don't watch football, but I do enjoy watching Hard Knocks, the HBO series. Um, and this year, uh, this year was the Oakland Raiders. Oh. <laughs> and their head coach, John Gruden, <clears throat> his thing is constantly gets up and I, his motivational speeches are interesting, but he'll throw out one of these points that, you know, it's, it's, he wants everyone to to be on board with, and then it's knock on wood if you're with me. And everyone, you just hear this, you know, and they and they sort of show around the room, and guys are literally just tapping the table like, oh my god, can we please stop with this? It, it's like the dynamic teachers use nowadays: clap once if, if you can hear the sound of my voice, clap twice if you can hear the sound of my voice, just to see who's paying attention and who isn't. Yeah, well, and that's kind of a little bit what it is, but if you're up there presenting and you're not reading the room that who's paying attention or not getting them to knock on wood ain't going to help. <laughs> well, that just comes down to emotional intelligence by the speaker, but that's another story entirely, I suppose. <laughs> well, and that's, that's kind of where I was leading to is it's, you've, it, you know, and this is, this is somewhat universal and it does sort of dovetail in it's, um, you know, you, you want to find those guys in the leadership roles that that can not only command attention, but can earn it from new guys, keep it, and also read the room and know if there's an issue with a player or a set of players for some reason or another. And, and this then, is why I've always had a problem with, like, star players getting the C. Because yeah. they're getting it because for two reasons. Marketing, you know, it's essentially a marketing move. And two, because people equate ability with leadership. Oh, and, yeah. Which isn't at all physical ability with leadership, which isn't at all true. And um, 
a good captain is basically another coach. It's, you know? an, it, it, it's someone on the ice. Yeah. A, a, not just a good captain, but a good leadership core. Yeah. Are those types it's, of players. It's not somebody who's necessarily telling you or deciding on what play to run, but it is someone who is explaining how that play is run as well as somebody you can go to if you have problems, as well as, you know, somebody who can like tap you on the shoulder and recognize that you're struggling and say, Hey, do you need any help with anything? You know, that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's, and usually those guys are t- often, not always, but they're often like third liner, fourth liner, bottom pair D kind of guys. Yeah. Oh, you're Chris Clark's, you're, um, oh, who was the guy before, B- uh, Barkov in Florida? Um, oh, this is going to kill me. But Chris Clark's kind of that perfect example, fourth line guy. He's he's not even a rah rah. He he was nothing special in the media. He just took care of responsibilities, and he did it long enough until Ovechkin was ready. I still, um, and sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and whether or not he's a good leader or a good captain, I don't know, and I really don't care. But it seems to be working for Washington. I I think Ovechkin's was largely, we're just going to put this on you. Keep doing what you do now. Don't worry about anything else. We've got two alternates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, from a coaching dynamic, um, to kind of reflect on what you said, Cassie, well, one, I only coach youth hockey teams, and unless they're, you know, above the age of 14, I don't like giving out letters. I think it's just stupid and pointless. Um, But in cases where I do, I do like to have the best player be an A. But man, do I force him to work with the captain all the time and and as a way to get him to focus on something and not get bored during practice. Because I've had times where the best players, they can do all the drills, they can go through all the motions, and man, do they become a distraction. So I throw this little carrot in front of them, and it's it, it can be boom or bust, but it gets them involved. It gets them to focus on something, so they're never, you know, going off course. They're not pulling. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. this. They're they're not pulling in a different direction. This is this is why I have a problem with the best player getting the C, is because if if you go with the idea that. Your captain is also a, a player coach kind of individual. Most star players can't explain what they do. They can't break down what they do and explain it to another player. Okay, this is this is exactly what I do and how I do it and what I'm thinking at the time. They can't do it because no. it's all it's all very reactive. It's a, why Gretzky was a terrible coach. Exactly, terribly coach. Yeah, and I was going to use him as my example, <laughs> but um. And that's why, like, third or fourth liners, bottom pair guys, you know, backup goalies tend to be way better about that stuff because they're usually working their asses off to stay in the league. And they're, like, working on everything and getting any information they can from anybody, and they're trying to help people with the stuff that they've learned. And, and you know, so they're, they're the guys who are scraping to stay in, in the NHL and just – trying to learn everything they can and and 
so they end up that's why they often end up being better captains um i mean there are exceptions to that i do think Sidney crosby is a really good captain because i think that he can actually explain to people what he does but i don't think that anyone can still do what he does <laughs> i he can explain it though <laughs> i don't think he's the best player on that team i mean well probably not but but you know what i'm saying though is that he's he's a guy who like actually breaks down what he does and thinks about what he does and tries to improve upon what he does Malkin, on the other hand, who I think is actually better. Um, Malkin, on the other hand, I don't think can. I, I Even in his native language, I don't think he can break down what he does and how he does it. I don't. I think he just does what he does, and that's that. <laughs> All right, so let me posit this idea. Here's a former captain who, at one point or another, was kind of high up on the... Uh, food chain of his team and of you know NHL players could you see David Backus a player who star has fallen rapidly who is not who went from being a first line player to a fourth line player in the blink of an eye couldn't you see him being an NHL coach should he desire that just by going through the ladders of being a different type of player at different points during his career I, it, I, uh, go ahead, Cassie. Uh, it's just because it de- it depends. It depends. It depends on what he how how he's doing. You know, playing fourth line. I haven't watched him very much either as a star player, as a fourth liner, uh, first liner, or fourth liner. Um, if he's just doing what he normally does at a slower speed, and that's his fourth line deal, no. If he is changing how he plays so that he's making his line mates better, yes. So I bring up the example because I look at Rod Brendamore and Rick Tockett, two head coaches right now that their careers kind of went all over the place. At one point, they were pretty high-scoring players in the, you know, late 80s early 90s and then towards the end of the career okay you're just kind of your average third liner at that period of time before the game really opened up and somehow they're able to kind of they get it from all perspectives at at least as far as a forward is concerned but they they view that i i'm positing what they're doing i don't know if they if they just talk the talk or if they just mix shit up honestly but when you see the game from different points of view somehow you were able to relate and actually communicate with you know your your star player and your grinder at the same time I uh, from watching his career I don't think this was a I don't think that the the choice that was thrust upon him in Boston, he was ever really comfortable with, even though he came out in the press and said, I'll do what I need to, to help win. I don't think he's one of those. I don't know. I just don't get the sense from him that he's putting the time and effort in to learn the other side of the game. That 
would lead me to believe that he'd be a good coach without working his way up through the ranks. I mean, he'd be one of those that I think if he did, and I think he'd, he'd probably be pretty good at it. It would be one of those, he would be an assistant in the ECHL for a long time, then hmm. get a head coach job in the, I mean, it would probably be 10, 15 or so type years before he poked his head in the NHL level. And I, I think that's simply because I don't see that side of him, even on the ice where he's in someone's ear, you know, in, in a young player's ear on his line when he does get to play. And that's the other side of it too. Um, those are the kind of players, you know, are on the bench. You don't see him sort of leaning over and working with other guys that often. And that, and I know some of that's just the byproduct of a broadcast, but you would still see examples of it because they would love to, especially in Boston, they would love to point out, Oh, look at him. You know, he's helping, he's helping school the youngins. Uh, mm. It's all circumspect and all hyperbole at this point because I'm just going to be Steve Simmons spitballing fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't... Because um, that was kind of what I was seeing from, like, commentary about Bacchus playing in Boston on the lower line was less the that he was embracing it and adapting to, like doing what he needs to do and, and working with his line mates and, you know, really, really trying to pull it together. And he, that, that was nothing I had ever heard. <laughs> it was, it was all, he's just there. That's where he's playing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stays and in the NHL. <laughs> and that's kind of what I got too, is it wasn't, he was going full tilt into the role and learning how to do it and learning how yeah, to be a better really player in that role. Yeah, he wasn't really embracing it. It was just, it was just, this is now my life and that's what yeah. I'm going to do. I'm going from, you know, 20, 18, 20 minutes a night down to five if I'm lucky every other, every other game type thing. Okay. You know, yeah. I'll, still, I'll still do what I normally do rather than I want to learn different aspects of my game. Right. Yeah, you know, I don't, that's, I never yeah, heard I think that. that's kind of what I got too. You know, it's not like it's not like Chara who knows he's on borrowed time at this point, and he's he's diversifying outside of hockey. But I, he's he's also like trying to adapt to not playing as much and having less of a role. And his is a bit more subtle, but that's still there, you know, it's still that he's like, he's accepted that, that this is his lot in life at this point in time. And Bacchus is just kind of being plugged in a hole. And that's just that. <laughs> so you would say that Charles demonstrating his leadership by embracing and <laughs> being yeah. sarcastic. Leadership. Yeah. So, so, so we can expect the Zidane Chara Award for um, leadership at some point. <laughs> sponsored by what? Remax Sydney or Redfin? <laughs> no, what, it's sponsored by whatever company, multi-billion-dollar organization he owns at some point. Because well, that's what I'm saying. Redfin, or Remax. You know, yeah. because of his his real estate dealings, he'll buy into one of those companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that was. And I brought it up because we were talking about like the NHLPA last episode and 
how there aren't a lot of guys who are really willing to step up and stick their necks out. And that was kind of one of those, like, so let's talk about leadership. <laughs> let's talk about leadership within the team. Cause there's a lot of perception from outside the media, the fans who are like, you know, captaincy means something and someone getting the C is, is meaningful and, you know, they blow it up all they want, but within the team, within the players, you know, within the locker room, it's not exactly that same deal. And so, yeah, that's kind of why I threw the question out there. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's my, there's my buildup, like after the fact. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to make a little left turn here. You all catch the news about Kendall Coyne's Goldfield. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's going to be very, very interesting to see if she's a linchpin for others joining regional broadcasts. I mean, I know we've had a few in the past, and I know women are, are making more of an inroads. I'm specifically thinking especially like um, the Islanders and Devils, um, but not many outside of MJ. um on national and even she did a couple of regional games. I don't remember. Oh, she did do a few Islanders games. Um, But I'd be interested to see these other women that are taking a year off kind of fall into something along those lines too. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to be seeing if it happens, it's going to be the bigger name players. You're not going to see, yeah, it's gonna be name recognition. That's what oh yeah, people it's, are gonna it's go for. going to be Olympians. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Un- I will say, unfortunately, because I, you know, sometimes this sort of the 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 best players aren't always the best broadcasters. But the third line, fourth line guys, you know, same as in hockey, tend to be Captains. fantastic broadcasters. <laughs> yeah, tend to be. You know, if you're if you're a good captain, odds are you're not going to be a good broadcaster. Um, <clears throat> Not that there's any direct correlation, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see. I don't; they haven't announced how many games she's going to be doing. They just say select. But um, I have a feeling there are a few games that I know. Um, Brett Hedekin and Jamie Baker, or Brett Hedekin, tends not to travel as much. He does their radio side, and for those games. Um, they would bring in someone else to do radio rather than let Jamie Baker go back to doing radio. Mm-hmm. And I think those might be those games where they let, they say, Jamie, go ahead and have fun on radio again. And then we'll let Kendall, you know, be between the benches for this game. So I don't know if they'll be home or road is what I'm saying. If they're home, she may be in the booth um, with Randy while Jamie's down between the benches. But I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, everyone's now speculating, oh, is Hillary Knight going to be next? You know, is, is Marie-Philippe Poulin going to be next on? Because Sportsnet's firing all these people. And, you know. Women will work for cheap. And that's <laughs> I was trying to figure out a better way of saying it, but yes. You know, <laughs> we can get them on a one-year deal on the cheap, you know, and we'll worry about next year, next year type thing. Because that's the mentality they have sometimes. Now, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Schofield's husband plays in the NFL in the Bay Area? Or is he down in Los Angeles? Because I know they're based somewhere in California. Isn't he like a San Francisco, or not San Francisco, isn't he like a New York Giant? I mean, he, I mean, just like any player, he's probably moved, moved around. So I figure San Jose makes sense if that's kind of where they're based. So I'd imagine she's doing quite a few home games. Oh and God. I'm guessing the selective nature may have to do with the players tour that the Women's Players Association is putting together. Okay, well, I'm just going to have to interject something here, first of all. I've, Go for I, it. I find entertaining that i went looking just i just did a search you know they pull up news articles and the first news article i selected did not mention anything about her husband awesome and that's why i was was kind of sitting there giggling i'm like oh my god Uh, because i beg i vaguely remember she's married to another pro athlete but i couldn't for the life of me remember who so i figured you know the trope that is the ultimate trope you can't mention the woman without mentioning her husband. The wife of um, her husband. I actually pulled up the Wikipedia page for Which is where I went next. So, yeah. And uh, that her husband isn't mentioned until the very bottom under personal. And uh, he plays for the L.A. Chargers. So yeah. California. Yeah. So it might be, you know. Depending on where she is and where she's working out, um, you know, if if she is down there working out, I would be surprised if she does the L.A. and Anaheim games and maybe a Phoenix flyaway game type thing. I could see uh, her doing like Phoenix, Vegas, California teams. Yeah, maybe not uh, all at the same time or all all the time, but yeah. But then again, it's like an hour and a half flight to San Jose. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I just hope we get to see, and I said MJ earlier, I meant AJ, <laughs> AJ Malashko. Um, I would like to see her on more of the Islanders broadcasts this year, too. God, yes, that just, she makes those broadcasts infinitely better. Like, I yeah. like Burke doing the play-by-play. Yeah. But, oh, God. Butch Goring is just... <laughs> he's a piece of work. He's, he's, he's that senile uncle that you love, but you just, you know, are like, okay, okay, I got it. <laughs> go, back to watching your, go back to watching your programs about Hitler again, please, uncle. <laughs> yeah, that, that Second World War certainly was a doozy. Wasn't he in Bellingham for a while? Butch Butch? I don't remember. I swear that he was like living in Bellingham for a while. Running the local rink. Mm. Bellingham, Washington, that is. Not Bellingham, Massachusetts. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I have to tell people the other Bellingham. Uh, Well, that's, you know, I have to tell people the other Bellevue. (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to bellevue oh it's about time no 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 there's a city in washington called bellevue oh sure there is pat shut up look it up (laughs) (laughs) oh yep 
So then there was also um, the emperor. What's his face? Boston. Oh, what's his face? <laughs> power, unlimited power. <laughs> Jeremy Jacobs ceding leadership to his children. Six of them, that's not going to go wrong at all, is it? No, because they, they can't even afford a simple majority in a vote. So um, apparently he didn't do his due diligence and produce a seventh child to make sure that there was a tiebreaker at some point in his illustrious career. So I will fully expect the HBO Showtime succession show about the Boston Bruins fight for ownership rights between his six children at some point. Mm-hmm. And there won't even need to be. It'll be like one of those great, you know, well-written twists and turns. Each week, someone pulls out a blackmail or or extortion because the X makes it sound cool. Photos of someone else doing something to some farm animal or something, and that's I'm taking <laughs> over ownership. You know, come on, this isn't Enumclaw. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this isn't South King County. <laughs> um. Sadly, I don't think it'll happen. But this has to mean that, you know, six people won't be the, I guess, uh, executive chairman of the NHL. So someone else is going to be pulling uh, Gary's strings from this point on. Oh, we all know who that is already. Really? Because I'm kind of unsure about it. Oh, God, no. I'd like to welcome the 31st franchise to the NHL. I think he got money, 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 money. He's not one of those leverage to the hilt money guys either. Yeah, but you also have to remember every new ownership, well, most new ownership groups that he has brought in, he... He vets them out and knows that he has to have some control or be able to talk them into thinking everything is his idea. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, I I think this is one of those that Mr. William Foley III was the only option in Vegas that was solid and he was just going to go with the girl that brought him and deal with it later. Mm. <laughs> because he, because he was going to get the, you know, obviously as someone who runs financial institutions, you know, he was going to be hopefully fiscally um, secure and able to put in and get the stadium done or arena, you know, his part of the arena stuff done as opposed to some of these other ones, Seattle, where it's been a goat rodeo or a cat herding exercise, whichever you prefer. I don't know. He'd, he'd be my, he'd be my, uh, my vote. And even though he is a little bit on the south side of the age, north side of the age depending on which way you look at it unlimited power (laughs) 
All right, should I save us all? Oh, please, yes, please. Pull a shoot on this one before I start doing some really, really bad stuff <laughs> with impersonations. All right, so it it is the season, the most wonderful time of the year, training camp for NHL teams. Rookie camp started this weekend. Next weekend is, um, as of this recording, is uh, the opening of NHL training camps. And then we have a lovely preseason schedule of, what, five or six games. So here's my question to you. How would you change that? Because <laughs> we all know that the preseason kind of sucks. And... The preseason goes on for a long time, not as long as it used to, but it still goes on for a long time. So how would you change that? Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. This has been the 3B3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.